We are blessed. We're blessed. We're blessed. All right. I'm going to be delivering the word tonight. Make sure you have your Bibles out. Uh, before I begin my message, if you are a new recruit, stand to your feet for a moment. New recruits. You see all the new recruits in here? Wow. Yeah, it looks like almost, it looks like about 80% of y'all are pretty much here. All right. These are future gangsters, warriors, lovers of God, and they're being trained up at this hour. So please keep them in prayer. We, I've been praying uh, in the house of prayer for you guys specifically that at the retreat, that God will make a distinct outpouring and blessing for you. Uh, whether, I mean, I, I want to, if you've never been blasted, I want to see all of you get blasted, one thing. Like, you know, Pastor G got blasted the other night, you know, that kind of blasted, or, you know, just fire, you know. Uh, but also just, you know, outpourings of his revelation and of his love. Because uh, once you are established in that, uh, there's nothing that can move you. You know, there's nothing that can shake you, you know. All right, you guys, take your seats. Let's, hear, uh, let's just bless all the new recruits once more, one more time. I'm going to ask everyone, please scoot forward. Hey, that whole section right there around, all right, around Pastor Isaac. I don't know why no one wants to sit next to Pastor Isaac. Can you guys please scoot in? Make space for everyone else. There's a lot of people standing in the back. Let's, all right, let's squeeze in. Let's squeeze in. Everyone move forward. Come on. Hey, this is Korea, man. When I first came to Korea for a Campus Crusade Conference, it was much worse than this, all right? And it was in the rain with mosquitoes everywhere, all right? So this is nothing, man. You guys need to just scoot in, all right? This is Korea. If you ever go to a big Korean event, all right, it's like this. It's like with ajumas everywhere, <laughs> all right? And, and All right, let's, let's, let's pack it in. All right. I was thinking about preaching while I was sitting down, but I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm comfortable with that yet. Maybe I need a high chair or something, <laughs> but I don't know if I'm down with that right now. So I'm going to do it uh, standing up. Uh, turn your Bibles to First Chronicles 22. If you don't know where that is, it's very easy. Learn the song. First and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles, and you're done. Uh, that's where first Chronicles is, all right? It's after Samuel and the Kings. First Chronicles chapter 22, verses 9 and 10. Let me check this out right now. If you're listening by podcast or you are here tonight, this message is for the house, right? So my apologies to any guests here. This message really uh, isn't for you. You can still be blessed. Uh, you make the most of it, all right? You can be blessed. But this is a message for the house, and it's a key message. Not only is it prophetic in nature, but as the word goes out, it's going to establish and begin to move the whole house in the direction that God set for us at this hour. So it's not just a predictive sermon with prophetic tones. 
All right. It's a very apostolic sermon. It's a sermon that's going to start moving us in that direction. And it's a, it's a word for the house. So if you've been uh, following us, you've been uh, taking leadership training or you're a leader at the house and stuff like that, you know, this is really going to speak to you, all right? Because this is a word for you guys. All right. Read with me. First Chronicles chapter 22, verses 9 and 10. These are the words of, of uh, David, all right? It says here in verse 9, this is God speaking to David. He says, God says, you will have a son who will be a man of peace and rest. And I will give him rest from all his enemies on every side. His name will be Solomon. And I will grant Israel peace and quiet during his reign. He is the one who will build a house for my name. He will be my son. And I will be his father. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom over Israel forever. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. You know, through this month of fasting, uh, our, all our leaders have been fasting throughout the month of April. And through this past week of 24-7 prayer, you know, we've been really positioning ourselves to have the eyes and the ears to hear and see what the Lord is doing in New Philly at this hour. You know, all of this fasting and prayer is for us to be self-controlled and alert so that we can have eyes to see and ears to hear what God is doing for New Philly, for this city, for this nation, and what God is doing in the nations. It comes through fasting, the disciplines of fasting and prayer. All right, and so... All we're simply doing is aligning ourselves. And I believe that all the sons and daughters, you guys have been doing it. And we are in alignment. And so I believe that as we are now in alignment, God is just bringing the revelation. So, yeah, we position ourselves to see and hear what God is about to do. And right now I'm going to share with you what I think that what, what God's about to do is. I'm going to share with you what God is about to do. Uh, the other day, as I was on Facebook for my once a day visit, <laughs> I noticed out the corner of my eye, Pastor Benjamin's, uh, my mentor, Pastor Benjamin Robinson's Twitter and Facebook page, right? I was streaming. And uh, here's some of the things that he wrote, April 24th. David's job was to battle and Solomon's job was to build. Had David not won so many battles, Solomon couldn't have built a house. Just listen, April 25th, Solomon was able to build because he had rest on every side. The building begins when the battle ceases. April 25th, you must discern that the reason for, uh, you must discern that the season for warfare has ceased and you got to stop battling if you're going to build the house of the Lord. Same day, Satan is trying to draw you back into another battle, telling you that you don't quite have enough victory yet. So that you stop building. The next day, April 26th. The generation before us fought the Lord's battles. That's why there was such an emphasis on spiritual warfare. Now, the victory is won. Same day, April 26th. In this next season, God will not be looking for warriors, but for builders who will build the house of the Lord. Now, when I read these tweets, I initially thought, Man, I hope Pastor Benjamin doesn't preach this at next weekend's retreat. 
Alright, because all of this, all these little, uh, excerpts, it seems to be revelations that nullify our church's vision statement. Alright? What is New Philly's vision statement? It's simple, to raise up an army of mighty warriors, right? Alright, new recruits, calm down. Alright, I know you know it. Right, and so yeah, I mean, what's this all the stuff about God? You know, God's no longer looking for warriors; He's looking for builders. That means we have to change our vision statement. You know, so I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Uh, my initial reaction was, Pastor Benjamin, please don't bring that to the retreat. All right, I mean, that's that's uh, that was my my honest reaction, and I didn't really quite get it. And throughout the twenty four seven week of prayer, even when I was in here in the prayer tab praying, I was like, Lord, because the Lord just kind of dropped it. He said. You are, uh, Pastor Milwa is not to preach this Friday. You are to preach. All right? <laughs> and so I said, yes, Lord. And I shot Pastor Milwa a message. I said, I'm going to preach this Friday. And I said, well, if you want me to preach, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? What do you want me to preach on? And so the Lord, I was just searching and, and inquiring of the Lord. And last night, God just hit me with it. I got on the phone because Pastor Benjamin was like, hey, let me, let me touch base with you. I want to talk with you. All right? And so I, I finally got on the phone with him last night as he was on his way to a pastor's golf tournament <laughs> with like 70 other pastors from the whole Bay Area. And uh, he was on his way there and he got on the phone with me and he said, he said, Christian, you've been facing certain attacks recently from the spirit of slander because the enemy is trying to slow you down from entering into a new season. But let me tell you right now, you are entering into a Solomonic season. Okay? I, there was no come on from my side. I was like, what? Uh, Solomon what? I literally did not catch what he said. And then he prophesied and he explained it. And then my spirit began to bear witness. All right? This is what he said. He said, in the last season... The paradigm that you operated in was a militaristic one. That's because there were all kinds of attacks that came your way and you had to battle to gain the victory. And now the Lord is saying all the battles have been won. You're now shifting from a Davidic administration into a Solomonic administration. David's administration is militaristic. His second in command was a military general. Right? Solomon's administration is priestly. His second in command was a priest. God is saying that he is now giving you peace and rest on every side. He's speaking Isaiah chapter 40 verses 1 and 2 over you. And he's telling you that your warfare has ended. God is now wanting you to focus your attention on building his house. Battlers can't build. God wants you to rest in the completed work of the cross and all the victories that have been won and he wants you to build. The emphasis of the last season was warfare. This season, it is on building. Okay. Now, of course, Pastor Benjamin does not mean that our spiritual warfare, we can neglect spiritual warfare, we can abandon spiritual warfare now. Right? Obviously, that's not what he's saying. Uh, you got to stay with me here, all right? Once again, this is a word for the house. And so if you haven't been with the house, some of this is going to go right over your heads. Don't worry about it. 
If you're a discerning person, you should be able to pick it up and interpret it. But if you quite can't, hey, just stay with us, all right? We're going to have some good time of prayer and praise later. <laughs> if it misses you, if you don't get it, that's fine. Don't worry about it. But these are for, this is for the sons and daughters anyway, all right? Pastor Benjamin is not saying our spiritual warfare is all done, right? What he is saying is that for all the warfare that we did in the past season... God is going to now give us peace with many of our enemies who were opposed to us in the last season. Now, one thing you have to understand is, in the church, the worst kinds of enemies to have to deal with are other Christians. If an atheist opposes you, you're like, oh, that's an atheist. Buddhist, Hindu, Muslim opposes you, you're like, okay, all right, that's tough, but you know, hey, what what can they do, right? They're Muslims. They're atheists. But when another fellow brother in the faith, another pastor, another leader of another church, or maybe maybe someone within the church, when another Christian opposes you, that's, that's some of the hardest enemies that one can deal with. And what God is saying at this hour is, all those people that have been opposing you, despising you, slandering you. At this hour, God's going to give you peace and rest all around. God is removing all such slander and attack so that we can build. This is an amazing word. Uh, One person described Solomon in this way on the internet. He says, Solomon's diplomatic skill Maintain the empire without the need for further war. Solomon was prolific in art and science, having written three of the books of, the, of our modern Bible, the Song of Solomon, Ecclesiastes, and most of Proverbs. So there's something different that happened under Solomon's administration that could not take place under David's. And God is saying we're entering into that Solomonic season right now. Uh, we just read here in First Chronicles 22, right? Behold, a son shall be born to you who shall be a man of rest. I will give him rest from all his surrounding enemies, for his name will be Solomon. Now, Solomon simply means the, uh, the peaceful one, right? Solomon's name simply means something to do with peace. Okay, so, and he says, I will give peace and rest, peace and quiet to Israel in his days. He shall build a house for my name. He shall be my son, and I will be his father. And I will establish his royal throne in Israel forever. God is speaking this over New Philly right now. Specifically this house. Now, we always con- we just concluded that, all right, the devil's always, he's out there until Jesus returns, you know, until the end of time. So, you know, we just got to get used to warfare. We're always going to warfare. And so, you know, everything we do, you know, it's kind of marked with my this fiery warfare type of attitude and, and, and prayer. And, and it's, it's a good part of us. It's establishing us. I don't think we, it's going to now disappear. It's, it's so second nature to us now. You know, I bind that. I loose that. I break that. I reject that, right? That's, that's all the, it's the vocabulary of a warrior. Because you recognize that there's a spirit realm that is real and can affect you when you don't guard your heart and mind. 
Right? And so that's become second nature to us. And God is saying, the emphasis of the last season was warfare. But now I'm taking it to a new season where it will be on building. And you don't have to be paranoid while building. Remember when uh, the exiles went back to try to rebuild Jerusalem, rebuild the temple? At one point, they met so much opposition from Sambala and Tobiah that they had to build with one hand and have a weapon in the other. All right? God's not saying that over us. He's saying that's not it. I'm going to give you such rest and peace on every side, you can use both your hands to build. Because the battles that needed to be fought, they were fought in this past season. And the Lord is now saying, it is done. We're not just entering into this. We have warred. And we have gained the victory under the Lord's banner. And now he's taking us into a new season. This is very exciting. Uh, Pastor Benjamin, one of his last uh, tweets was this. He said, it is time to cry unto Jerusalem that her warfare has ended. God is focusing his attention upon building of his house, the building of his house. You know, our core leaders here in this house, they know the inside story. They know uh, just how intense it has been. People who have been with me, like, you know, John Michael from the beginning, they know how intense. Actually, core leaders, you guys know the inside story. But you know what? You don't know even, like, my story. Like, like there's stuff that I don't even maybe even share with Pastor Aaron. Because, you know, I just, I'm just thinking, man, man, this is just, I just need to just share the gist of it, but not really share. But it's been a very difficult season for your pastor. These last... How long have I been doing this? Four years, right? I've been the pastor of this church for four years. And let me tell you, man, I, can't, I went through some hard times. And I went through a lot of it uh, alone, but with the support of the core leaders. When I shared, they would give me that support. But a lot of it, I did have to kind of walk through in a way alone. And without really anyone that can really relate to all of the intense attack that I had I had received from the very beginning of my pastorship. You have to understand, man, I came through some really intense times. And for me to hear this word, it's very hard for me to accept it in one sense. I'm like I'm like King David in one sense. I'm like I have been fighting longest time I know. As long as far as I can remember I've been fighting. But God is God is saying For you, Christian, David died that way. But for you, you're going to shift from the Davidic to Solomonic all within one lifetime because of my purposes. There's a shift that you're going to enter into. So even, uh, man, like two years ago, it was really intense. A year ago, it was very intense. I mean, intense to the point that... Uh, there were times where I felt like I, I needed to step down, right? You guys don't know that, but there were t- a lot of times where I, had to f- I felt like I needed to step down. Other times where I felt like maybe they're, they're just going to fire me or something, right? There were a lot of intense, int- and, and around the time where I actually wanted to, I thought it was the best thing was to actually step down. 
Pastor Benjamin, that's when I established that mentorship with him formally. And he became my spiritual father. And the first prophetic word he spoke to me was, you cannot step down. And I, and I said, I don't know. I don't, I don't, you know, Pastor Benjamin, all this is happening, Pops. You got, you got to understand, you know, I think this is the best thing. He said, he said, no. He said, okay, the people that you've been discipling, they are your sons and daughters. And a good father cannot abandon his sons and daughters for any reason. Even, he was saying, even if you did something stupid like an adulterous scandal or something, even then, I will guide you through a process of restoration. Because there's too many pastors that that, that happens to, and the first thing they do the next very next Sunday is they announce their resignation. He said that's the easy way out. A lot of pastors, they would just do that because they're only thinking of themselves. But a good father, even if they, if they did something stupid like that, a good father will be committed to his sons and daughters. He said, these are your sons and daughters. You cannot step down. Okay? So you don't have to, under, you have to, you don't have to understand why I was feeling this way. Okay? I, will, I'll probably, I don't know when I would ever tell you. Okay. But there was intense times. Okay. Uh, the end of this past year, just a few months ago, the intensity got, it reached this climax. I mean, I thought it couldn't get worse. I mean, it got really bad. It got really intense. And uh, a good picture of what I was enduring as your pastor, you know, because every Sunday I come up, I preach, I have fun, I lead prayer. And I'm, you, know, you know, you don't see it, right? Uh, but a good picture of what I was going through in the hidden place was what you guys saw Pastor uh, Caleb and Mina going through when they were about to get married. And the intense opposition and the intense control and manipulation that was going on uh, with uh, their families to try to oppose their wedding. Uh, if you guys don't know, that's what happened. All right, And it was really intense. It got really nasty. But before that... Another great picture of what I was enduring was what Anita and Pastor John had to go through. Pastor Anita and John, I mean, they went through intense, like a, it was like a year and a half. I was involved. Other people were involved. We were praying and it just got worse and worse, more intense, more intense. I mean, you want to talk about shaking? I believe that even if the sky fell tomorrow and the sun refused to shine, Anita and Pastor John will be smiling. Because everything that could be shakable has been shaken in their lives. Only the unshakable remains, trust me, for them. They went through an intense time. Slander, accusations. With confronting a witchcraft spirit, a controlling spirit, not just a cultic one, but a controlling Christian witchcraft type of spirit. Uh, threats, incredible amount of threats. Um, and the last season, it was just, it was just, it was just happening, especially to our core leaders. It was just happening on every side. And the Lord is saying, all of the warfare that we did in that past season for those things, He's saying that's all completed. And now the Lord is going to give us rest. You know, John Michael's message this past Sunday was a prophetic one. 
in the sense that he was talking about shipwrecks. And our response to shipwrecks needs to be rest. Right? And so he's teaching us how we ought to respond. What is the response of faith when you're being shaken, when you hit a shipwreck? Not, you know, there's shaking and then there's a shipwreck, right? Shipwreck is like when there's so much shaking, everything just falls apart and there's nothing more to shake. That's like a shipwreck, right? Whether you're shaking or you hit a shipwreck, the response of faith is, surprisingly, it's just to rest. It's to chillax. (laughs) Not to try to solve things, not to try to talk to your parents more, not to try to take matters into your own hands. It's simply to rest. Now, that was a prophetic message because with him preaching that, I believe that God actually taught us how to respond. And then now he's saying, not only do I want you to know how to respond, I want you to know that now I'm taking you in to a season of rest. Because all the shaking, all the shipwrecks, they've been complete. They've been filled up. And now you're entering into a new season. This is very powerful, man. This is very powerful. Let me tell you right now. And I believe this also applies for North Korea. I was preparing this message. I felt like the Lord gave it, gave it to me for North Korea as well. I personally believe that we shall see North Korea open up this year. It's no longer close. It's already here. Okay? And I believe we don't have to no longer war against the principalities over North Korea. We can start shifting our prayers more toward building. Reunification. Right? Some, we've been kind of doing both. But the warfare is now is going to end for North Korea. Because uh, the warfare has been fought. I, you know, ever since personally I've been involved with North Korea, uh, I got involved way back in 2004. Around 2004. So it's been a little over seven years for me personally praying, uh, bringing awareness to the issue, uh, sharing with other people, going to North Korea events, you know. Seven years of praying. And I just feel like the Lord is saying now that that season is complete. That now we just simply need to watch in expectation as the battles that have, the victories that have been gained in the spirit realm are going to start manifesting now in the natural realm. So this past season, what do we see? We see the Chanan worship sinking. What is that? That's slander, accusation, attack. The young, uh, what is it, Young Pyong? Young Pyong? Young Pyong Dong. Young Pyong Do. Jeju Do. Young Pyong Do. The Young Pyong Island shelling, right? What is that? This is another attack. We got so many attacks, like physically, right? North Korea was attacking us. But what do we most recently see? We saw a ballistic nuclear missile that that would normally carry a nuclear warhead. They were testing that thing. What happened? It failed. What does that mean? It's disarmed. It is a prophetic sign to us that the seasons now shifted for North Korea. All the years of prayers are now culminating in the fulfillment and faithful God's faithful answer to those prayers. And He's saying the principalities are bound, they're defeated, and now there's going to be rest. And peace for North Korea. What happened at the end of last year for North Korea? The very face of the idolatry and the wickedness. The, really the last face 
because of the way Kim Il-sung set things up. It was his son that can kind of represent the ideology that they had set up. It's really hard right now to perpetuate it in, their, in his grandson. If you understand what Juche is all about, right? It's really the father-son. He, he copied Christ, Christianity in the sense that he took the father-son and Juche is the spirit, is a self-sufficient spirit of North Korean people. He took that whole idea because he grew up in a Christian home. Kim Il-sung took all of that, made a counterfeit version, and used it to control the whole country. It's a counterfeit also of spiritual fatherhood. It's all based on lies. The father, Kim Il-sung, will take care of you. The great father is watching over you. The only thing he was watching over you for was to make sure that you weren't speaking bad against him so that you won't go to jail. I mean, he, he was just looking. All that was based on counterfeit lies. And last, at the end of last year, the, the Lord took Kim Jong-il home as a sign that the, the season has shifted. Okay, I know right now, politically, in the natural, it doesn't look like anything's changed. Right? But that's where you're wrong. That's where you're wrong. In the spirit, you have to discern it. Because always things happen first in the spirit, and then it manifests in the natural. Let me tell you something right now. Even your own Christian life, that's the way it works. You possess it first in the spirit, even the teachings of this house, your inheritance. You possess it first in the spirit, and somebody else might meet you and really not see that much evidence that there's anything different. But as you possess it in the spirit, it begins now to manifest in the natural. For North Korea, it's going to begin manifesting. And I believe we're going to see it this year. Just mark my words on that. Because we are, we are entering into, not only for New Philly, but North Korea is entering into a season of peace and rest. And man, I just wish that, you know, North Korean church, people in the concentration camps, they can somehow hear this message. But you know what? I believe that God's already been speaking this message to their hearts. I believe what we will find is a great remnant of Christians that really should have died because of starvation, malnutrition, and the conditions in these concentration camps. But somehow they held on because God's prophetic message came to them that the time is near. That the time is near. And we're gonna, I believe we're going to hear testimonies of people that just held on to the very end and was able to see the travail of their soul. Brothers and sisters, the Lord is giving us rest so that we can build his house. Pastor Benjamin went on to say, he said, Christian, you have a zeal for building the house of God. God is building a habitation for himself all over the earth. And when we set our heart and mind on his heart for this season, we partner with him in what he's about to do. God is going to fulfill Micah chapter 4 at this hour. He's going to raise up the mountain of the house of the Lord and establish it as the highest of all mountains. People will stream to this mountain of the Lord to learn of his ways. And he said, you want to think of the house of the Lord in terms of sons and daughters as well. Because they represent the house of the Lord. I want you to turn to Micah chapter 4 right now. Okay, Everyone turn to Micah chapter 4. There's three passages I'm highlighting tonight. First Chronicles 22, Micah chapter 4, and we'll get to the other one later. Micah chapter 4, I want everyone to turn to it. I'm going to read for you in the ESV. And by the way, Micah chapter 4 is a sermon 
is a sermon that Pastor Benjamin preached in December. So if you didn't get it, make sure you go back on the podcast and listen to it. Because God was setting us up. God was setting us up for everything that was going to be revealed up to today. He was all setting it up through Pastor Benjamin's visit in December. He preached on Micah 4. Look at Micah 4 with me. I'm going to read it in the ESV. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. And it shall be lifted up above the hills. And peoples shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between many peoples, and decide for strong nations far away. They shall beat their swords into plowshares. This is a sign of peace. Their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. But they shall sit every man under his vine and under his fig tree. And no one shall make them afraid. For the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken. For all the peoples walk. Each in the name of its own God. Why don't you take note of that? But we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. Now, some people might try to argue that Micah 4, this portion, is actually talking about the end times, the end days when Jesus returns. That therefore, we don't need warfare anymore. When Jesus returns, obviously, Jesus returns. We don't need to fight him. We don't, we, you know, any kind of symbolic war, we don't need it anymore. Right? And you might try to argue for that, but... Verse 5 is the stumbling block to that kind of interpretation. Why? Because it says, For all the people's walk, each in the name of its God. What does that mean? There's still going to be Hindus. There's still going to be Buddhists. There's still going to be Muslims. There's still going to be people following all kinds of strange occultic teachings when this word is fulfilled. Which, what I'm trying to say is, it's not just a word for the end times when Jesus returns. It's a word toward those end times. But even before Jesus returns, I believe this very cryptic prophecy. You know, I used to sing in youth group, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord. And he, you know, I used to sing that song. And I'll be like, what is that? What is this song about? Strange song. So cryptic, so mysterious. How would this word, Micah chapter 4, manifest if it was, uh, first, how would it be fulfilled if it was manifested in Israel? Right? And I'm not really sure how, how the, what the traditional interpretations for Micah 4 has been in the past. But let me tell you something right now. Micah 4 is a word that is living and active for our hour right now. Wherever there was mystery, that mystery is being revealed. That mystery is being made clear. At this hour, we're going to see Micah chapter 4 fulfilled. It is a rhema word. It is a key word for this hour. And it could not have just been fulfilled in Israel's history, and that's it. Why? Because the words, the latter days, gives you a clue. You know, there are certain prophecies that get fulfilled in Israel, the, the ethnic Israel, people of Israel, and it's done. But then there are other prophecies that don't get fulfilled in Israel, but gets fulfilled in the church. 
But then there's other prophecies get fulfilled in Israel and the church and other things. And where our today's seminary teachers have gotten very paranoid and have removed and pushed away and abandoned some of these other ways of interpreting the scriptures. If you really study church history, the fathers of our faith, right? The patristic, the patristic fathers in the early church history, they used to have this fourfold method of interpreting scripture. Even Origen, who was very controversial because you know, he kind of went a little speculative, but Origen was also a well-respected Bible interpreter, and he would interpret the Bible very dynamically, and he would do it using uh, this concept of soul. There's, the, the Word of God has a body, soul, and spirit. And, and most people just read the Word of God in the physical body aspect. They just see the letter of the Word, and then there are people that get to the soul of that Word, but then there are people that get to the spirit of that Word. And when you get to interpret it in that way, that's when you bring out Key revelation about what God's trying to say through that passage. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is, I think it's a shame that so many professors and some of these scholars that sit in their desks most of the day, and let's be real, they don't, not all of them do a lot of ministry on the field. There should be some street smarts to go along with the academics, right? But when you get all just heady and all academic, you get a little paranoid. And you start to abandon the dynamic ways of interpreting the scriptures, that really God hasn't given us a license to abandon. We need to have mature people in the body of Christ learn to interpret Scripture still in that way. And I believe Micah chapter 4 is not just talking about Israel. It's not just talking about the end times. But it's talking about our time right now. This is a word for our hour. Now I could be uh, wrong on this. But I believe that God will give peace to the nations for this next season. So what happened this past year? Jasmine uh, movement, right? The uh, Middle East was in an uproar. Country of uh, Syria, bloody, uh, killing their own people for the past year. You know, Egypt seems to be not be able to get enough of their revolution. Every four months, they're in uh, Tahrir Square again. And the country is falling apart. Right? What so much warfare took place in this past season. I believe as Micah chapter 4 gets fulfilled, we're going to actually see a season of peace. I'm not sure how long. Maybe 7 years, 10 years, 15 years. I don't know. I don't know. But I believe we're going to see a season of peace at this hour in the nations. Swords are going to be beaten into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. As people, they have rest and peace all around. They're going to start looking to learn the ways of the Lord. Whether they become Christians or not, they're going to start looking to the church for the solutions of their economic recessions, of their business corruption. They're going to start looking to the church. It's already been happening, but it's going to start getting fulfilled in a much more vivid way. It says here, neither shall they learn war anymore. I believe that that word is specific. I saw, I just heard, I just sensed God highlighting that specifically for Korea's compulsory military service. I believe in a very short time, it's going to be nullified. There's going to be no more kunde. There's going to be no more stories of young men going to kunde for two, over two years. Right? <laughs> Hallelujah, says the, the Chinese-American who doesn't have to worry about it. <laughs> but for even for all the Korean men uh, of this nation, a lot of the youth, you know, a lot of the youth, they just they don't have any other concept, but they have to go. 
But I, I believe that war is going to come and compulsory military service is going to be done away with. They, they shall not learn war anymore. It's going to be rest in peace. I could be wrong about all of this, but I'm just speaking out what I, what I sensed as Pastor Benjamin released this word. And because the Lord is giving not only the nations, but key people in the church, key leaders in the church, God is releasing peace around key leaders in the church. We are going to be blessed in this season to build, and we're just going to build. We're going to build things, and it's going to be crazy. You're going to be like, what is the difference from the last four, four three, four years and the, and these, and the, the last, you know, the next four or five years. And the key difference is it's a season of building. Things that you, we couldn't really, it took like years to accomplish. God's going to, he's going to do it in a year. He's going to do it in two years. He's gonna, resources that we saw at this level, it's going to be like at this level. Just building. It's a season of building. And we won't have to like try to fight people off. Because <laughs> there's going to be peace all around. And as we build as we see awesome houses being built, filled with awesome sons and daughters, many nations shall come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. Let us go up to New Philly for their Friday fire service. We are not believers. We are corporate executives of a Fortune 500 company. But let me listen to that New Philly podcast. Because there's something wrong with our business, and I think New Philly holds the key. I believe Bethel holds the key. I believe IHOP holds the key. I believe Jubilee holds the key. I believe Onuri holds They're going to start to go and learn the ways of the Lord through his houses. So it's going to be like political leaders of India, Pakistan, Myanmar, business CEOs, entertainers. Many of them, I believe, will be non-believers. They will come and be drawn to the wisdom and light of God's people. In this next hour, the church is going to shine so bright, it's going to be the salt that it has, called to be, it has been called to be. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. God's saying it's, it's not going to be hidden any longer. Now, now, I, don't, I don't think all houses are positioned for this, but I believe a lot of houses like New Philly have been positioned for this. And I believe Pastor Benjamin's house also has been positioned for this in that hidden place. And God's saying, you're going to be hidden no longer. That Jeremy Lin phenomenon. Right? Although Jeremy Lin, I think, got injured. He's not doing so well right now. <laughs> hey. Hey. The analogy can, I can only go so far, all right? All right. The, the word was still true. Trust me. All right. Now, the church will arise and shine. Our light has come. The glory of the Lord rises upon us. Nations will come to our light Kings to the brightness of our rising. What am I quoting right now? Isaiah 60. Hey, come on, knuckleheads. Come on, Isaiah 60. I've been asking all the leaders to pray over Isaiah 60 throughout the month of April. Okay? And as I was praying over Isaiah 60, I myself a lot of times wondered, what are you saying, Lord? There are like little bits and pieces that I could take away from it. But I was wondering, what does all this mean? Is, why didn't you just give us a portion of it? Why the whole chapter? <laughs> I'll tell you, man, right now it's going to start making sense. Okay, check this out. Uh, go to Isaiah 60. It's going to all make sense right now. 
So the third passage that I'm highlighting is Isaiah 60. Micah 4, 1 Chronicles 22, and Isaiah 60. Those are the three words for our house at this hour. Look at Isaiah 60, right? I already quoted to you verse 1, verse 2. See, darkness covers the earth, thick darkness over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you. His glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light. I'm reading from the NIV, sorry. Kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes. Here, let me go back to the ESV. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather. They come to you. Who are they? Who are they? Are we just talking about future sons and daughters of New Philly? Future members and leaders of the church? Who are they? Lift up your eyes all around and see them. They all gather together and they come to you. They don't all gather together to oppose you. Like it says in another psalm. It says they are gathered around and they come to you. What does that sound like? Micah chapter 4. People shall flow to the house of the Lord. Many nations shall come to learn of the ways of the Lord. Isaiah 60 is simply highlighting that. Keep reading. Your son shall come from afar. Your daughter shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. I don't know what the heck that means. I know what the next line says though. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. What's that saying? I believe that at this hour, we're going to see great resources and wealth being released for the purpose of building the house of the Lord. Keep going. Verse 6. A multitude of camels shall cover you. Okay, let's skip forward to the rams. The rams of Naboth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar, and I will beautify my beautiful house. Come on now. I will beautify my beautiful house. That's like me saying, my beautiful wife is beautiful. And I was like, why, why is God talking about beautifying his house, right? Well, it's the same as Micah chapter 4, where the mountain of the house of the Lord is being established as the highest of the mountains. God is saying, I'm going to beautify my house as I exalt my house. Y'all with me here? Gonna beautify us. Can you, can you hear the implications of what that means for our church? What does it mean for God to beautify New Philly? We're about to find out. Uh, verse 8. Who are these that fly like a cloud? All right, let's skip forward to verse 11. All right. All right. Hey, there's th- certain portions there that are so, the, even the Hebrew translation is so cryptic. You know, it's, it's a little hard sometimes to really make any meaning out of that. I don't even want to touch it, okay? Let's go to verse 11. I can, I can, I can digest 11. Look at the verse 11. Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut. Now, I'm not sure if that's talking about the prayer tab, but if it is, then I will obey, right? That people may bring to you the wealth of the nations with their kings led in procession. You know, in the, the time of Solomon's season, in the Solomon's days, you know what happened? Nations, kings, the, the, the queen Sheba. You know, all of these kings and queens and political leaders, they all went 
to bring gifts to Solomon. And what God is saying is we're in a Solomonic, Solomonic hour. People are going to bring gifts to New Philly. And it's not because I took a love offering. They're going to, non-believers are going to come and they're just going to, and they're just going to bring the wealth of the nations. Okay, verse 12. For the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. And if it wasn't clear, it says those nations shall be utterly laid waste. What God is doing in this next hour, if the nations, they don't comply, if the nations don't wise up and inquire of the ways of the Lord, their economies are going to fall apart. And we've seen already some nations that's happening, right? You know that Spain's unemployment rate is 23, 24%. You know, BBC does uh, documentaries about these kids and they're just at cafes and they're just like, we have no work. We want to work, but there's no work. Well, what about picking apples? Well, we don't want to do that work. Migrant workers will do that, but we want work. There's no work in our country. 23, 24%. That's almost as bad as during the Great Depression. Spain, Greece, you know, all these nations, right? And God is saying, the nation and kingdom that will not serve you shall perish. Oh, that's crazy right there. That's crazy. It's also connected with Micah chapter 4. Micah 4 verse 3. He shall judge between many, many peoples and shall decide for strong nations far away. And, and nations that don't say, come and let us go up to the house of the Lord. Come, come let us go up to the mountain of the Lord and learn of his ways. Nations that don't say that, God is saying for this hour, those nations, those stubborn nations are going to perish. So when you see certain nations start falling apart in this hour, you will know it is because that nation refuses to inquire of the Lord's ways. All right? Hey, stay with me, man. Stay with me, all right? This interpretation is super clear to me right now. All right? Verse 13. And I have Pastor Benjamin listen to this and, and see what he bears witness with, right? This is all what I got after he shared his prophecy. I got all this last night. Verse 13, the glory of Lebanon shall come to you, the cypress, the plain, and the pine. I think these are three kinds of woods in the Hebrew. To beautify the place of my sanctuary. There it is again, to beautify, right? And if it wasn't clear, he said, beautify my house. It says here, to beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. The place of God's feet. What is that talking about? First of all, that's talking about the earth, right? Because heaven is God's throne. Earth is his footstool. Right? So so the place of God's feet can be interpreted as the earth. But secondly, it can also talk about the church. Okay? Isaiah 66 verse 1 asks, Heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build for me? Where will my resting place be? And the answer on this side of the cross is, this is your resting place, Lord. Where will the place of my feet, where will the place, where would I rest? Where will my resting place be? Where is the house that you will build for me? And we answer, Lord, this is your house. This is your habitation. This is the place of your rest. So in that, in that sense, uh, another interpretation for the place of God's feet is his house. It's the place of his resting God's people, we make up God's house, God's habitation. 
And it's important that we recognize that. But also, I believe it's talking about physical buildings here. Why would this passage talk about cypress, plain, and pine? Why talk about specific kinds of wood well, if we want to stick with only a spiritual interpretation? Okay? And I believe that a physical building is not a bad thing. As you guys right now, you're feeling that. Why? Because the more we grow, the more painful it is for us to use the current facilities we have. And for all the married people, as we think about having children, the more painful it is thinking, how am I going to take my kids to Hillside? How am I going to carry my baby carriage up Itaewon? When is New Philly going to get elevator? You know, you know, I remember, man, when Jubilee got their building and they installed that elevator, I, 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 I saw the bill. That elevator was expensive. You don't know how much an elevator is, right? It is expensive. I was like, we will be healthy and fit. I don't care if we, I don't care if you have twins or triplets, you're going to carry them babies up. We're not paying for an elevator. Right? But you know, the closer I get to having my own family, obviously my mind is changing a bit. So I believe the various kinds of woods here are talking about raw materials. The raw materials that are going to come to us. They're going to be provided for us. Physical resources for physical buildings to beautify what? Not just his people. He says, the place of my sanctuary, the place of my feet. The place, a physical place. I'm going to beautify it. I'm going to build it. And I'm going to send you resources so you can do it. Because this season is all about building. So, you know, as God challenges me to dream big, you know, one thought that I had when we were doing the Niagara Conference, and every year we go to the leadership retreat at the Christian Centennial Hall, Pek Jun Yong up in Chonglo Samga. Whenever we go there, I think, Lord, why don't you just give us this building? Give us something like this, and I'll be happy. Right, it's got dorms for the uh, training school. It's got uh, a cafeteria. You know, it's got two worship halls. It's got little classrooms. Yeah, this is cute. Lord, give, give me this. <laughs> Lord, give me this building, right? And, and, the, and the Lord would just, he'll just... Give me the silent treatment. And, and so the Lord bring all across the city, there's a lot of places where you can see new buildings going up. Even when you went to the uh, Seeds of Hope con- concert, you know that that church, I don't know how they got the funds. First of all, I want to make sure that we, if we do do it, it's because people are bringing those raw materials to us. Not because I'm forcing y'all to give sacrifice over and over and over again and then going into like a, a $50 million debt. I don't want our church to do that. Right. I'd rather walk up five flights of stairs than go into you know, a whole lot of debt that we can't be responsible for. And I'm hearing over and over again how Korean megachurches are doing that. Right? And I don't think that's responsible stewardship. But here's the thing. When you think of buildings like that going up, even at the concert hall across the street, they're building this huge building. I'm thinking, man, it takes so much money. Do you guys know how much money it takes to build something here in the city of Seoul? It takes money to acquire just the land. And then you, you need lawyers to make sure that all the deeds are cleared. That there ain't no funny, shady business. But a lot of land in the city has funny, shady business. Some drunkard will come and, and, and say, hey, 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 I own 10% of this land. And then you have to deal with it. Right? There's a, there's a lot of funny business. So you have to hire lawyers to make sure it's all clear. And then you have to get construction companies. You have to get an architect. It takes a lot of money. <laughs> and I try to calculate, can we do love offerings for like 10 years 
and accumulate the money. And I, I did the calculations. We won't even accumulate 8 or 6% of the money we will need to build our own building. It's that expensive, given, given our attendance and some modest growth, right? So, so I'm telling you, the Lord, for him to say, I want you to dream bigger. Well, give us centennial. I want you to dream bigger. Well, how about we build like a building like that? I want you to dream bigger. I'm like, Lord. If this is your vision, if this is your will, you know how big that bill is going to be, right, Lord? Your, your will, your bill. Lord, I'm just trying to help you out here. But Lord, it's like, no, dream bigger. And the only thing that gives me any kind of of sense that we will actually see these things manifest is passages like this. The glory of Lebanon will come to you. Cypress, plain, pine. That's talking about steel. You know, wood paneling, floor paneling. You know, it's going to come to you and I will beautify the place of my sanctuary. I will make the place of my feet glorious. I'm not talking about like Notre Dame and using, you know, like poor people and taxing them and overtaxing them to build something that obviously, you know, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about we have the people first and then the resources come in and we beautify the place of his sanctuary because we already have the people that are going to fill that sanctuary. We're not going to be like some of these Busan churches that our Busan team met. Yeah, they went there, we visited some English ministries. They went and visited some of these English ministries, and they were just like, there were no English speakers in their English ministry. It was all people from the Korean church that are trying to start the English ministry. There's like six or seven of them, and they're all trying to uh, bribe Pastor Caleb to leave New Philly and be the leader of their English ministry. But you know why the biggest reason why they, they want to do that is because they committed $40 million to build a new building for the English ministry, which they don't have. With money they don't have. Okay? Churches like that, and they, they found a couple of churches that did that already. Including, uh, anyway, I won't name churches, I'm sorry. Hey, hey, that's not our story, is what I'm trying to say. Our story is not Notre Dame. Our story is not these uh, 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 Busan churches who have no people to fill these buildings. Um, our story is, it's going to be all these people packed in like this every single week, having babies. <laughs> I can't hear the sermon. Can you take your baby somewhere else? Well, you need to pray a little harder for a new building then. It's going to be like that kind of tension. It's going to be like that kind of tension. And then the resources are going to come flooding in. And we're going to be like, we're building a building next week. It's going to take about a year to complete. So everybody hold tight. We're going to build it in a year. And it's going to go up. We'll fill it. All right. Look at verse 14. The sons, this is a very key verse. Verse 14. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you. And all who despised you shall bow down at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord, the Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Now we all know this is already happening for Pastor Robert Daniels. He was the most despised, most despicable, in the words of Apostle Paul, the most despised, you know, on the face of the earth. That's the way people treated Pastor Robert Daniels. Right? But right now, he's entering into his season of honor. 
what Pastor Aaron prophesied in December over him, he just shifted into a new season, and he's experiencing that. There's so many very, um, even mega church pastors are coming to him and saying, be my spiritual father right now. Right? And so God's building a huge lineage right now for our church. Because we're all going to have to relate to them sooner or later. You know? And be like, hey, you know, Pastor Robert Daniels, yeah, okay, all right, all right, we should, all right, I'm fine. Uh, we'll have to learn to get to know them. Uh, we're part of something much bigger. It's already happening for Pastor Daniels, right? One who was despised, now they're coming and bowing at your feet. Be my spiritual father. I honor you. You're filled with so much wisdom. You know, things like that, right? Verse 15, whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through. You know, sometimes don't you ever feel like New Philly, we have so much, so much amazing things going on here, but no one's passing through. You know, look at Bethel. People pass through all the time. Look at IHOP. People pass through all the time. Look at Joel Olstein's church. People pass through all the time. Hillsong. We went to Hillsong, right? People pass through all the time. I'm like, man, how come no one ever passes through New Philly? Why? Because we weren't in that season yet. It wasn't that what we have going on here ain't great. It's just simply it wasn't our season yet. All right? It says here, with no one passing through, uh, I will make you majestic forever, a joy from age to age. You shall... Suck the milk of nations. <laughs> you shall nurse at the breast of kings. The, lo- the Lord has a great sense of humor sometimes. He definitely, the Bible was not rated PG. You shall know that I, the Lord, am your Savior, your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Okay, let me tell you something about this, this, this word. Why this word is so it highlight, it's highlighted for me. Okay, let me tell you something right now. When I, when I took over as the New Philly lead pastor in 2008, right at, the, at that time we are called JSCM. We're going to celebrate our three-year three anniversary at the retreat because one year after I took over, I established the new identity of the church as New Philly. Right? But when I took over in, four years ago at 2008, I suspected... I suspected that I was being despised, okay? I suspected it. Had no confirmation, but when I would meet other pastors or they'd tell me, oh, there's this pastor's luncheon, go to it, I go to it. I just felt so despised. And I know I'm not that sensitive, right? But I was just thinking, man, this jacked up. And I... I suspected, I suspected that they were thinking, oh, Christian's not going to last long. Oh, he don't know what he's doing. He has no seminary degree. He has no ordination. He has no experience. And we, we, we've been, you know, we, and they've been watching other English ministries. You know, they start and they close. They start and they close. There's so many, you know, there's so many even famous churches right now in Seoul that are doing it, even right now, starting and closing, starting and closing. You have to understand, even like Etail and Church Plant, that is a success story. A very, very rare success story out of a multitude of failures. And God's grace is on this house. Um, and so people, I'm telling you, that's my suspicion was that they were thinking, no experience, no, none of these things. He's going to fail. He's not going to last very long. So, you know, let's just make, make him feel a little good about himself before he, you know. Yeah. Yeah, so. Pastor... My uh, college mentor, Brother Michael, came a year after I took over, and we went to a retreat. We call it the Niagara Retreat, right? That's where uh, we gathered. And Brother Michael, man, right now, my, my college pastor, his name is Brother Michael. 
he prophesied over almost every single person that was at the retreat. It's amazing, man. He's just like a workhorse. He's got such a big heart. He prophesied over every single person. But what he prophesied over me when I was in his private room was, he said, I see a vision of you. And you are teaching pastors. Stay humble, brother. Stay humble. Stay humble. But this is a word for you. It's from Psalm uh, 119. uh, Somewhere in 119, right? It says... It's a, it's a long chapter. He says, I have more like, you know, wisdom than all my teachers. I have greater understanding than all of my mentors, you know, because I meditate on your precepts, something like that. Right. He goes, that's a word for you right now. That is a word for you, brother. I see a vision of you appearing before multitudes of pastors and you're teaching them. Now, this is only a year after I took over and I feel inadequate. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. And at that time, I was a part-time lead pastor. I was still with Campus Crusade. I was, I'm not letting go of Campus Crusade. I don't know where this church is going to head to. I don't know if this is going to work out well, you know. So, you know, I had both feet, you know, Campus Crusade and church. And, and Pastor Brother Michael was like, oh, you're going you're gonna to teach pastors. You're going to get invited. You're going to teach. You're going to stand for multitudes, and you're going to teach them. All right? And around that same time, before that retreat, I actually had a dream. I had a dream where... Certain pastors that I got that vibe that they were despising me in the dream, they came and they knelt before me. And I was like, I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Another pastor kneels before me. It's so vivid. It was so clear. Around that same time, Pastor Aaron got a vision of a very similar thing where somebody was like very, you know, kind of opposed and despising what we're doing, and then later on ended up humbling themselves. Or something like that. It was like a vision you had. You remember, right? <laughs> it was a similar vision, right? And then when I'm establishing the name of our church, I'm reading through Revelation chapter 3, which is written to the church of Philadelphia, right? It's a letter to the church of Philadelphia. And there is in that segment of Revelation chapter 3 where it talks about a very similar thing. People who opposed you, hated you, whatever, right? These guys that are from the synagogue of Satan, really? They're going to come down and they're going to bow before you. And so even when I'm establishing the church name as New Philly, this theme of people that have despised me, opposed me, slandered me, uh, them coming and bowing before me, it just, it just kept repeating. And so as I'm reading Isaiah 60 last night, it just, it just, I, was, I don't know why I didn't see this before. It's right there. All those who afflicted you, who attacked you, who slandered you, they're going to come bowing, bending low to you. Oh, by the way, I have now confirmation that I was despised. How do I know this? Right? A couple of joint prayer meetings ago, Pastor Johnny came, and he shared what all the pastors were talking about when I took over. And he confirmed they were all looking down on Christian and thinking nothing's going to come out of his ministry. He's barely going to survive. And he confirmed that. You see that? I'm not that thick skin. <laughs> I can pick up on vibes. And the, and, the, and, the, and the Lord is saying, in this next season, all, everything that I've been showing you through prophetic dreams and visions is going to be fulfilled. And the word there is, humble yourself. Because it's not because of your intellect accomplishments is because of me 
Because I am your vindicator. Anyone who trusts in the Lord will never be put to shame. Now, let me tell you something right now, man. Um, as I'm getting despised and slandered, attacked directly, accused of all kinds of things, especially because I'm, I'm carrying this charismatic uh, movement, this uh, outpouring of the Holy Spirit on churches that have never experienced it. Many of you in here never experienced it before, before you came to New Philly. I'm taking this message and ministry to churches that have never experienced it. I'll tell you right now, man. I've had people come up to me in the middle of an altar call and command me to stop. Because people are getting hit with the fire and, and getting blasted and falling all over the ground. They command me to stop. And I look at them and I, and I have to say with love. Instead of saying, you knucklehead, go sit down. I have to say, I'd say in love, I say, God bless you, bro. Um, I can't talk about it right now, but I would love to talk to you about it after this altar call. Can you please take your seat? And the guy was fuming mad. Demonic almost manifestations about to come out, you know? And, and I just have to bless them. Bless and do not curse. Love your enemies. Those are the things I have to hear over and over again. Because let me tell you, I'm not that mature. If you attack me, you start slandering me, I'm going I'm to speak back. I'm going to talk back to you. I'll find something false to accuse you of. I can be creative. I can get you back. I grew up, I grew up in the streets. In the streets, you don't just take a sucker punch. You take a sucker punch and then you pretend you're hurt and then you sucker punch them back. That's, that was the language of the streets. So I come into this position of leadership and God's saying, you can't do that. I want you to bless. Love them. Bless them. Pray for them. Bless and do not curse. You are actually blessed because you're being persecuted for my name. You're being blessed because you're carrying the stigma of the Holy Spirit renewal. You're being blessed because you're preaching messages that later on you get nasty emails about telling you, accusing you that your hermeneutic and your interpretive methods are all incorrect and unbiblical. Tell you how intense it was for me. And all that time, I try to respond with blessing. Because I knew that the Lord is my vindicator. Whether that's when I appear before him in heaven. Or whether that's here on this earth. It doesn't matter when he vindicates me. But I trust that he's my vindicator. And I feel like the Lord is saying, this is the season now. Verse 17, uh, bronze and gold and iron and silver. Man, I don't know about that yet. Okay, But I know the last verse. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. And then from verse 18 to 20, I don't know how to really interpret this whole thing. Um, but verse 20 seems to be talking about the end of the age when Jesus returns. Because verse 20 says, your son, your son shall, I mean, verse 19 says, the sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light, but the Lord will be your everlasting light. That sounds like revelation at the new heavens and the new earth. So I'm just thinking, why, why is this verse 19? Man, Lord, why do you have to put verse 19 in there? Because this looks like a word that we can claim, a whole chapter we can claim for this hour, and then verse 19 is in there. So you know, I, it's a stumbling block, because like, it, it seems like maybe then the whole thing should be applied only for the end of the age. But look, verse 20, your sun shall no more go down, nor your moon. Well, I thought we are talking about the physical sun. But now it's talking about your sun, your moon, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. 
Your days of mourning shall be ended. So I'm just thinking there's a concept of brightness here that God, that God is highlighting. And the, and the Lord is saying the sun, the physical sun, the moon, that's not going to be what people look to for brightness at this hour. Right? The Lord will be your everlasting. It will be your everlasting light. And then why? Because at the beginning it starts with your light has come. Right? So that instead of people looking to the sun and moon for brightness, now the Lord's light is shining upon us, and then now we become the sun. We become the moon. Your sun shall no more go down. Your moon, uh, nor will your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of mourning shall be ended. Okay, that's the only. That's the best interpretation. I can do. Are you with me on that? That's the best interpretation I can come up with to say that this is a rhema word for this hour. This is an applicable word. The whole chapter for this hour. Okay, and then verse twenty-one. Your people shall be all shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. And I'm going to switch to the NIV for this. They are the shoot that I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. Why? Because I like that past, I like that phrase, display of his splendor. It's in Isaiah 61 verbatim, right? And so, display of his splendor. We are planted at this hour. We have been, the soil has been ready. The roots have been going down deep. And the Lord is saying, now you are going to start to spring up. You're going to start to build. It's got, things are going to start to be visible. I'm going to start to vindicate you. You're going to start to come forth. Resources are going to come to you. The glory of Lebanon is going to come to you. You're going to start rising up. And you will be the planting of the Lord. For the display of my splendor. In verse 22. The least one shall become a clan. The smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord. And in its time I will hasten it. In its time, I will hasten it. And I believe, brothers and sisters, that the time has come. This is the time for First Chronicles 22, 9 through 10 to be fulfilled. That's, that's the word that sets forth the prophetic clarity of this hour. And then God is saying, Micah 4 and Isaiah 60. I'm going to begin to fulfill those passages. Through my houses that I have built up in the hidden place in this last season, they're going to start breaking forward a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So if I have to wrap up this message, the main point is this. The Lord has brought new Philly through a lot of difficult things in this past season. And in particular, the Lord has brought your pastor through a very difficult season filled with all kinds of slander, accusation, attack. And through it all, we've trusted the Lord. We've been stepped on. We've been ridiculed, despised, but we've still trusted the Lord. We have warred in the spirit. We have forgiven those we need to forgive. And we have chosen to bless and not curse. That's the last season we were in. Now the Lord is saying, your warfare has ended. And I want you to shift from David to Solomon, from battling to building, from the test to the rest. You're entering into the rest, the Sabbath of the Lord. And in that place, Korean CEOs, government officials, church leaders, executives, they're all going to be drawn to our light. And we're going to steward Great influence. The sons and daughters of this house are going to steward great influence in the next decades. All while stewarding our inheritance. 
with Christ-like character. Please, with Christ-like character. We're going to open up restaurants. We're going to take over businesses. We're going to start companies. We're going to open up schools. We're going to write books. We're going to create new industries. We're going to appear on TV. We're going to plant churches. We're going to abolish human trafficking. We're going to disciple the Korean youth. We're going to help with reunification. We're going to legislate just laws. We're going to defend the fatherless. We're going to speak at conferences and even pastors' conferences. We're going to release worship albums. We're going to bring freedom to the oppressed. The sons and daughters of this house at this hour, they're going to build and they're going to build an awesome work with awesome resources, all for the display of his glory. Come on, church. Come on. I want all y'all to close your eyes right now. Would you close your eyes? Because right now there's a harvest. I want you to keep recording here, Westfall. Get this whole thing. There's a harvest right now. The word is going out right now, right? There's been a cumulative word, but right now tonight, I explicitly spelled it all out. And as your pastor, I just have a confidence and a certainty and the covering of my spiritual mentor to confirm that our house is entering into an amazing season. One where we will focus on building the house of the Lord. But as the Lord spoke to me a couple of years ago, he said, my house will be built on 10-year commitments. And I believe that word is still true today. If you want to help build the house of the Lord here at New Philly, but you still want to go year to year, job to job, and you still want all of your choices in one basket and be able to bounce out when things get uh, a little bit things you don't dis- you disagree and you don't like some of the things that are done if you want to have that option you want to exercise that option and so you stay just from year to year and you don't commit the lord is saying you can serve but you will not build those who are going to build this house are those who are all in those who are committed for the long run because the dreams of God in this house, the visions of God, the purposes and plans of God cannot be fulfilled year to year. You cannot stop human trafficking with a year to year commitment. You cannot help with the reunification of a land that's been torn apart by war and over 60 years of of tension. You cannot help with reunification year to year. So I believe that tonight The Lord wants to bring in a harvest of 10-year commitments. Harvest of 10-year commitments. And right now at the church, I believe there are 48 10-year commitments from all three campuses. That's amazing. I've told people that and they don't believe me. And I told them I have a spreadsheet with the exact date when they made their commitment. So I can hold them accountable. I have every single one of those names. But I feel like the Lord is saying tonight, there's more. The Lord has already been speaking to many of you to make a long-term commitment to build his house because we're entering into that season right now. 
Lord is saying, I've put out my word. Now get and partner with me. I'm not looking for a short-term commitment. I'm not looking for a girlfriend. I'm looking for someone that's going to stick with me. Even when things get tough, that's going to stick it out and build my house and have a zeal for my house. So there's people in here, God's already been speaking to you about it. I want you to stand up. If you already, God's already been speaking to you about it and you want to make that 10-year commitment tonight, I want you to stand up. I want to pray for you and bless you. There's a harvest God's bringing in. For those who've already talked to me, you guys can sit down. Rona, Tina, 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 you make it already? Yeah, Todd, John, you guys sit down. All right, you guys already talked to me. Grace Yellow, didn't you make it already? Okay, all right. Well, hallelujah. Sorry for calling you out. There's more. I feel like there's more. I feel like even those who are listening to my podcast right now, the Lord is calling you. You're actually in a different city. There's, as the Lord spoke to me this afternoon. He said, there are people that are going to listen to this MP3 of this specific message. All hour and 20 minutes of it. They're going to listen to the whole thing. And another city, in another country, several cities. And they're going to make a commitment to move to Korea. To join you in this work. And so if you're listening by MP3 and that's you, I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to make a commitment to come to Korea. Or if you want to just go crazy, make a commitment, 10-year commitment right there. Right there in your bedroom, right there in your living room, right there in your cafe, right there in the subway. Just stand up and make your commitment. Because God is building his house. He's going to beautify his house at this hour. There's going to be people in this room that are going to steward resources, resources, tens, hundreds of millions of dollars. But you know what? You need the character so that that, those resources don't make you fall apart, doesn't make you compromise. That's why you need to go to your small group. That's why you need to come to the prayer meetings. That's why you should come to this prayer tab and behold the face of Jesus and be transformed because... If God gave you those resources next year, your life will fall apart. God wants to entrust his resources to sons. To sons. You know, and part of the 10-year commitment is a lot of those years is actually spent discipling you. <laughs> you know, you make a 10-year commitment, actually like four or five of those years is actually you not really, you being in the hidden place, you being built up, you being rebuked, you being hammered, you serving and cleaning up the and cleaning up the. Uh, mopping the floor whatever right and then in the latter half when you've reached that place of full maturity oh man things are going to get crazy 10 year commitments 10 year commitments I feel like there are 3 more 10 year commitments stand to your feet if that's you alright yeah If you're standing in the back and you're standing for this, put your hand on your heart so I know who's who. Okay, put your hand on your heart.
That's right, David. You need us to stand up. David, I'll give you a prophetic word right now. The Lord's going to give you the nation that you've been crying out for. He's going to do it through sonship, though. And you're already aligned to it. But there's a maturing process he's going to bring you through. I don't want to scare you. <laughs> awesome work God's going to do through you. Two more people. Who are you? Hurry up. People listen by MP3, please stand up. We're going to close. We're going to fade it out here for the MP3 people. All right. Actually, no, you know what? Let me pray for, for those even by listening. Okay. All right. Put your hand on your heart if you're making that 10-year commitment for, before the Lord right now. All right. And let me tell you, and let me clarify something for everybody who had questions about what a 10-year commitment is to and what it's for. Some of you have asked me, am I making a 10-year commitment to New Philly or am I making a 10-year commitment to you and Pastor Aaron? Am I making a commitment to, to people, to pastors, or am I making a commitment to a ministry? Let me tell you something right now. Your very question has a misconception already in it. And it's a misconception I used to believe for most of my life. That God wants us to make commitments to missions, trips, missions, projects. But what I'm starting to realize in the paradigm of sonship is the first commitment God wants you to make is to relationship. Relationship with him and relationships with people that God has appointed in the body of Christ. Let me tell you something about ministry. A real God-given ministry, you can't separate it from a minister. So if you are making a commitment to New Philly, you're making a commitment to Pastor Aaron and I. Because God has appointed us as a set man over this house. If you're making a commitment to Pastor Aaron and I, you're making a commitment to New Philly. Because there are some people that try to make that commitment this past season and say, I want to make a commitment to you guys, but New Philly, I'm not sure about. I don't like the rest of the family, but I like you guys. I like you guys as a person. I want to be your friend, but I don't want nothing to do with what you're doing. Your ministry style, your ministry uh, ethic, I don't, I don't agree with it. So let me make a commitment to you. If you let me make a commitment to you, I'll make a commitment right now. And I say, you know what? You can keep your commitment. There's a fundamental misunderstanding that you have. You're dichotomizing. God gives a vision, not to ministries, but to ministers. God puts the anointing, not upon methods, but upon men. If God doesn't separate it, what makes you think that you can separate it? Right? And let me tell you something. What if you die, Pastor Christian? Okay? What if I die? I don't worry about it. If I die, I'll be make, I'll make sure I'm like Steve Jobs and Pastor Ha. I will make sure that it's clear to you who the next set man is. Like Moses did for Joshua, God will speak to my heart and I will set that next man so you will never be orphaned a single day. Of your breathing life. All right. Two more. Two more. Come on, the Lord's highlighting two more. Don't make me call out your name. Oh, we got a new recruit that just stood up. <laughs> All right, one more. Make your commitment. 
Pastor Mayo, can you write down all their names? Yeah, so that we don't have to keep repeating this. All right. All right, I'm going to pray for you guys if you're standing. All right. Lord, I just pray right now for every person that is standing for this most holy moment. It's not a commitment that they make to just some ministry or just to some man. It is a commitment that they are making in response to your voice, in response to your call and assurance, your assurance of provision, your assurance of safety. It is their response to your voice, Lord. And God, right now, I bless each person's tenure commitment. They are making this commitment, not just that they can live in a particular city for 10 years and have some kind of complacency, but they're making this commitment because they want to be involved with the long-term work of building your house, God. So, Father, I begin to bless them right now to dream big and dream bigger. I bless them, God, with grace that was not there before for them to mature, be established in sonship on such levels that are there just unshakable. Accelerate a growth. Accelerate outpourings of wisdom, revelation. Father, I bless these. And God, just as I've been praying for every one of the 10-year commitments, I also pray for them as they are putting your kingdom first in this way. I pray for their future families. That you will provide spouses, children, loving family, not just in the body of Christ, but also families that they will go on to lead. Bless them with health and long life will you satisfy them so that they may build and beautify your house God and we thank you for all the many people that will benefit from their commitment yeah keep your eyes closed I want all the people that have made 10 year commitments to go up to them lay a hand on them and pray for them right now. Pray for God to seal up this commitment they're making. All right? Yeah, only those who've made that 10-year commitment. Yeah, just bless them right now. Pray the Lord seal their commitment. All right, let's get over here. Candace, right here. If you've made a 10-year commitment, pray for those people that are making this 10-year commitment right now.